वाइन स्टूडियो इफ डायबिटिक यू डेंट गेट देर इन अ डे You got there in years, you yeah. got there 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. If you expected to change in three months, it would not be realistic. You got to understand that if I fall off my diet, then it feels like a failure. And I think this is also part of the reward pathways in their mind, right? Because you set this goal and you didn't achieve this goal, so you didn't get the reward. So there's no reinforcing behavior to get you back to that, and you have to work twice as hard to go back to the beginning to say I have to be on a diet. You could be sitting there and having a issue with your partner. The stress levels would be the same as being attacked by a tiger. And we have no vocabulary, physical vocabulary for this because we're not running. We're actually sitting in a chair. We have no tools psychologically to deal with that because our tool before would be to move. I think the easiest thing to do is like to get up in the sun, actually to spend some time in the sun in the morning. You have the best experience in terms of you know how your body will actually because this is what you're designed to do. So if you do what you're designed to do, you're automatically in sync with you know uh, your health. From Wine Studio, you are listening to the inspiring talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities. to help you take your life business and career to the next level when i met shiva subramanian at his office in bangalore and we were having this coconut milk coffee by the way that is the best coffee that i've ever had uh, i was telling shiva that hey shiva i want to talk about health and uh, how we should really look at health in a very holistic manner but isn't it that we all want to be healthy and everybody seems to be asking the question that how can i be healthy he turned around and said that the question in itself has a problem the problem is that what do we mean by that i want to be healthy for some it could be losing weight for some they want to go on a run every morning or for some they want to eat healthy food Now you need to define what that means for you and also he went on to share how we look at health in a very fragmented and just a secluded way for instance when you go to the doctor they will look at health just from the perspective of the part of the body that's not functioning properly and they will give you some sort of a remedy to just fix that without considering the food that you are eating the habits that you have the environment that you live in also the social setup that you are living in which is interesting right and shiva subramanian is the founder of connect venture group now through this venture group shiva is building multiple companies to connect to build the relationship between health and sustainability for instance the simplest way to explain what shiva subramanian does is let's say if you want to eat healthy that means you need to eat right food which means now let's talk about food now when you are looking at your food then what about the chemical and all the fertilizers and stuff that is going on your food when they are being produced now shiva says okay let's start a company that is going to fix the soil where you know we are going to create an ecosystem where you don't use all these chemicals and now okay you fix that soil but what about the water that you are putting in growing that food Now he says okay let's fix water and that's another company right so he looks at health in a very holistic way not only for the food but also the emotional and the social setup that we are in and in this episode you will hear one of 
the most holistic way anybody could have looked at health where how it connects with the environment and sustainability this episode is something that you might feel oh that's like a lot of heavy concepts here but when i asked shiva that shiva can you simplify this for us he says this is complex and it's meant to be complex and uh, you might scratch your head because it took me a lot of time to understand all of this and we tried our best to bring it to you the way it is so enjoy this conversation and probably this can be the beginning for you to really understand how do you take charge of your health let's get started shiva welcome to the show thank you vijay pleasure to be here shiva since we spoke last week you bombarded me with so much of information like i'm overwhelmed to the point like you know i'm scared because like i'm like half of the things i couldn't even understand what you said so today we'll try and take few pieces of it and you know try and decode that so when we're having conversation you said like when somebody said that i want to be healthy it's stupid why it's simple i suppose it's contextual because you need to know what that means to you right it's different for somebody who's 60 years old it's different if you're a woman who's going through menopause it's different if you're young it's different if you're an athlete now i think the thing to define is what does this mean to you i mean what are you actually saying because today it's become a word that's just used so freely when you say healthy one person's thinking nutrition and thinking i'm going on a diet and another person's thinking exercise but what does this construct of health actually embody and i think the important thing over here is to clarify that with every individual to say what is it that you actually mean you know i mean you must have something specific in mind look it's different if you're an athlete and you want to be healthy and it's different if you're somebody who's sedentary who has a stressed out job and you know you're looking at health from a different lens so i think the first thing that we need to do is to deconstruct this into its very simple components to see what we can chew right and i think that's the start but how did we get here where you will say like hey you know what if you want to be healthy do this if you want to like get fit do this like the blanket or the general kind of suggestions that people don't you think that's what we're being bombarded by every day right we have so much of health it's the marketability of health right i think health comes with a quotient of fear because you're worried about the time that you're going to die you're going to worried about i mean today there's a whole conversation on longevity as this whole conversation about you know how much exercise you do if you do too much exercise you may die of a heart attack if you do too less you may have diabetes you bombarded by so much of information every day and you makes you wonder you know where in this continuum you are and what the need to even consider this is right i mean a regular person living every day is not going to be thinking am i healthy or am i not healthy unless something comes into his presence or mind to actually ask this question itself right or maybe it's by looking at something outside and you know you have some media kind of response and you're like you know somebody's put up a blood test and you're like you know should i do a blood test but where does it start i think you have to start with saying like what made you want to do this because see the direction that you're going to take that means you've already chosen a gateway it's very interesting because every person is going to do what they want to do so for example if you choose the physical gateway yeah. then you're thinking exercise in gym is health now if you're not very physical you're thinking you know oh, maybe i'll just change my diet and maybe that's good enough for other people it may be like look i have a serious problem and i need to get into pharmacology or get some pharmaceuticals which means i have to go to the clinical aspect of medicine right so i think that we also have to define health is all of those things 
Is it clinical? So let's look at it like, are you in a critical stage? Are you in a more like stage of like, let's call it vanity, right? Where you want to look a certain way. Completely different person and different outcome over there. As opposed to something like biologically even, right? I mean, if you think about it, you know, what's happening with the hormones in my body? What's happening, you know, to something? Like I have a problem. I know I have a knee problem. I have an infection. So all of that still comes under the big banner of health. So when somebody says, I want to be healthy, it's difficult for us to discern what that actually means, right? So maybe the first step is to say, what does that mean to you? I mean, out of all of this stuff that you see, what, what does it mean to you and why? I think the question that we have to ask is, why? And what is it that you mean? Because if you consider those two things, then we can come to the how, right? Yeah. But if you don't consider the first two questions, then I think that we are doing something very generic, which means a waste of time, and that people are having different conversations, which means the chances of your success on your outcome becomes very less. So like you were saying, right? One, need to know what you want. And most importantly, you need to know like why you want to do it. And uh, do you think that's also the reason why a lot of us fall back and we are not understanding how the whole behavior, how we are wired to work? Absolutely. I think it's very opportune at this time to bring up a model that they did on uh, healthy human beings, on how they change, what they want to change. And what they found out is that you're going to actually have a relapse of actually coming out with your outcome at least six or seven times before you even get there. Because, you know, you can talk about change, which can be like one month and that's easy to do. And it could be anything. It could be like whether I'm on some diet or going to the gym or starting anything that, you know, I'm doing to be healthy. Absolutely. That's the reason, right? Because when you start that, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And in the beginning, there's always motivation to do that, right? Because it's exciting. It's new. But very soon, your dopamine circuits will fry and you'll be like, okay, now this is not as cool because now it's tiring. It's sort of getting boring. I'm used to it. You know, in the beginning, it's this new thing which means it gives you some amount of motivation and thing. When it begins to be regular, then, you know, you're going to fall off. Now, the point over there is like, again, are we doing things for excitement quotient, which means that you're going to be spiking up and down, up and down and doing many different things, which is fine. I think, you know, it's a part of exploration. But then when you're talking about the model I was talking to you about, it was like, actually, it was really interesting. They said, you know, you're not even aware of a problem, right? And the first thing that you do is like, you're like, hmm, that's a pre-contemplation stage of like, I, I don't know I have a problem. Or I don't know, I want to change. And then for some reason, whether it's a media, whether something, you go into the contemplation stage, hmm, maybe I should do this. But then after that comes the interesting stage of saying, okay, now I know I'd like to do this. Now, how do I do it? Which is the preparation stage, right? So now I'm like, okay, now who do I ask? Oh, I'll ask a friend who looks fit or, you know, uh, somebody who's been on a diet. So the first thing you're going to do is garner social support to be able to make this change, to understand it, right? And then after that comes the action quotient of it. And then after the action, you have to maintain that activity. And at the end of all of that is this continuity of this activity is like either you will keep it or you're going to relapse. And then the cycle starts again. Now, this is what makes it really interesting because when somebody starts with a journey in health, first they need to know what they would like to do, right? I mean, if they know what, then the why becomes easy. But what we figured out with all these behavior studies is that basically you have to chew it in small bits. Everybody says, you know, I'm going to do one and a half hours. It's great to keep it for the first two weeks. But after that, I think you're going to find it more and more difficult because your reality comes in. And let me put this in another level, right? When we say health, we're not looking at everything. We're looking at the obvious ones that we are exposed to, which is the physical. Like those are the main pillars, right? But let me get to a deeper construct over there. There's a gentleman called Engel during the 1977 who came up with something called a biosocial, a biopsychosocial model, right? 
And I think this is amazing because you talk about biological health. So think about your blood tests, think about anything that's happening on a cellular level in the body, your infections and all of that. Right? Which is telling you what's happening inside your body. Yeah. And it's chemistry. It's biochemistry, if you will. Right. And then you get into the deeper layer, which is the social layer. Right. Now, the social layer makes such a big difference. I mean, your relationships, where you go home every day, the kind of relationship you have there, because that also can be very good or it could be a stressor or an added threat, right? Or the responsibilities that come thereof, right? And then you're looking at the psychology of what actually is happening in your mind with this whole construct put together, right, as a whole. And then all of this is soaked into a bigger piece, which is the environmental piece, right? So like, I mean, what if I'm breathing pollution every day? What if there is an infection like COVID that's, you know, running around everywhere, for example, right? All of that changes the concentric circle, isn't it? So you have to be able to look at it from a large perspective and zero in all the way into the middle, right? Which is the you. But really, funnily, if you notice, we are only at the deepest layers. We're not going from the outside layer into the inside layer. And the outside layer may, in fact, have a greater impact on what is sustainable in terms of behavior than deepest layer, which is just about being consistent with your food in a certain way or being consistent with movement. Let's not even go to exercise, right? Let's say being consistent with movement. But you see, we don't consider that. We think of a gym membership. And you know, I think gyms are really successful also because as you know, not many people actually go back to the gym. They're very, I think there's only 20-30% who actually stick. You get the membership for the year. Now we are coming to the end of the year, then membership is going to spike up. And if you notice, then that's not really health. It's the, how do I say it? It's the buy-in. It's the need. It's the want. But why are we not able to keep that going in whatever way that you perceive it? Maybe it's because of lack of milestones, right? So what is it that you want? And maybe we need to create, I suppose, just a quantitative metric for us. So if it's blood, for example, I'm diabetic. I have a very clear picture of what that is, right? It's my HbA1c, my insulin. And then if I improve it, this will improve. You can do that with pharmacology or you can do that, you know, through lifestyle change, for example, right? If I'm somebody who is going to work out or I'm going to the gym, then you look at it in context of saying like, no, okay, why are you going to the gym? If it's vanity oriented, maybe then you're going to go and ask about like, you know, how much protein can I get? You know, how hard can my workouts be? And all of those things, how much of rest do I need? But say you're on a weight loss program, it's completely different, right? So this is why I'm talking about this. But what is this soup that all of this is happening in? So I can want all of this to happen. What happens if my social structures, I have a lot of conflict there. Then is it possible to go and get a high functioning, intense workout, which is also stressful, and come back home to stress and then have a stressful job. And now this is compounding and you will never reach any of your goals, right? Because if you have that much of cortisol in your body, the amount of insulin goes up and the amount of fat that you're going to be storing is going to go more. And you're not going to be even able to do the gym workout, even though you're doing one and a half hours of it. So when you look at it in this concentric lens, it's a whole different thing, right? And so many people will be like, I've been working out, I'm not losing weight. But I wonder whether we ever take a second to ask them about the, the next layer, right? How is your social structure? You know, is there any stress over there? How are your relationships? Exactly. And how stressful is your work? You know, do you have like late nights? Because if you're having late nights, your circadian rhythm is all screwed up. That's another huge problem in terms of insulin and diabetes. It's not just because you're eating like unhealthy food, right? Diabetes could be driven from a pure stress modulus. So we have to be able to look at it from multiple lenses. So now it comes to the stage of saying, Vijay, what is this preparation that we're talking about? If the preparation for your journey is about going to somebody who has the wisdom to come up with a solution for you because you don't have that, right? And I'm afraid that, look, Google will give you an inspiration and a guideline. It may give you a validation. It may give you a point 
of education. But it's knowledge in its freest form. It comes without the experience of translating that knowledge into wisdom, right? And I think the practitioners who are there in terms of nutrition, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, right? You have to find the right person to be the catalyst for your change. He can't change you, but he has to be the catalyst for your change, right? And this means that he has to have the abilities of connecting you with the right people to make that change. If you're going to the gym all the time and whatever, you're doing a hard sport, you're playing football, it'll give you a great amount of release the time that you do it. How are you doing the next day when you're at work? Because if you put a stressor, you're not sleeping well and you're gone the next day at work, your cognitive abilities will decline. So it again depends what kind of job you have, right? If you have a highly cognitive job, it may be detrimental to you, maybe adding to your burden. So imagine that I can do this in 10 minutes, but because of the neurological fatigue, right, I take one hour to do it. Suddenly you've added another stressor on top of the equation, right? So maybe it's very important to look at the model from these other concentric rings, right? Saying that, okay, I'm in an environment, right? And then you'll have to fine-tune an environment into how safe do I feel in my social structures? Social structures including family and work, right? The environment is, of course, pollution. You live in Delhi, so you know that that can go bad and good. Now, would you want to run on a day that is polluted? It'll add uh, so much of stress into your body and all, you know, you have to do a detoxification process, right? And when I say detox, I mean, you're talking about the lungs, right? And your body has to work hard to take out those heavy metals and chemicals in your body. But you see, if it wasn't the same and, and you were in the mountains, uh, we were having an earlier conversation, the whole equation changes already. That's why people are able to make those changes so easily on a holiday. Because look, you have none of the other stressors. You have the excess of time to make a change. But then when you come back to your reality, you can't. So I'm convinced that the only way that we can really make a sustainable change is to actually do it in your reality. You can't take a holiday from your reality to make a change. And if you do take a holiday from your reality and you made the change, you have to bring it back into your reality. And this is where, you know, the real crux of the situation is. Because I feel that if you're consistent, it's not about the amount of time that you do something. It's about the consistency of doing it. Maybe five minutes a day. But it's to make a deep conceptual habitual thing that will work for you for 30 years. But if you're doing these quick ones for like, you know, three months, four months, two months, just before the wedding, just for a wedding, it becomes, you know, because then your goal is only three months, which is fine. You'll achieve that. And then after that, you're going to let yourself go. So have you achieved health? Maybe not. But you achieved your objective, which is to look good. And if you look at fighters, if you look at the bodybuilders, they're actually putting themselves through a lot of privation in terms of dehydration, not taking salt just before the competitions, right? Because that way your body will show up in, a, in its best possible frame. Now, is that healthy? No, but it's their job. They are aware of the biological systems to do that. The idea of health, I think, is so subjective. We have to be very careful in defining the whole. And also, even in any of the context, right, whatever the context, somebody maybe wants to be fit or wants to get rid of some chronic problems that they're dealing with or whether they want to avoid any genetic diseases or any kind of disorder that's passing on that generation. But what's evident in what you've shared is we are looking at just purely from one aspect, right? We're not looking from the holistic angle, like you said, like psychosocial and biological aspect of it, right? And when we're not doing that, then it's always going to be, you are putting a lot of stress on one aspect of it. And then you realize there are other two, like you said, psycho and psychological and let's say the social aspect of it is also contributing to the stress and you're not getting the desired result. Yeah, I think you have to look at it like a marathon. You can't look at it like a sprint. And it's okay to fall a couple of times, you get up. And if you have this long-term vision, if you think about it, if you're diabetic, you didn't get there in a day. 
you got there in years. You got there 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. If you expect it to change in three months, it would not be realistic. If you give yourself the time to change it and make the changes consistently in small ways, we find that it's the best way to make those changes. And you'll find that it works almost all the time then. But the problem is we're taking these today with the judgment that we have on ourselves as well. You've got to understand that if I fall off my diet, then it feels like a failure. I think this is also part of the reward pathways in the mind, right? Because you set this goal and you didn't achieve this goal, so you didn't get the reward. So there's no reinforcing behavior to get you back to that. And you have to work twice as hard to go back to the beginning to say, I have to be on a diet. Maybe there's another way of looking at it. It's normal to fall off because sometimes motivational levels because of the social, the environmental. Look, it could be a celebration. That's also a social, right? But at that moment, if you're going to celebrate, it's okay. And maybe that you want optimally healthy. But as humans, we're such complex creatures that this social enjoyment that you had will well make up for the time psychologically, then they didn't express that, right? Because we are so community-oriented. It is a social engagement. Now, we become so dogmatic about one diet or one thing that we do and become so judgmental that it makes consistency almost impossible because we've now come to a world of it's good or bad. But this whole health is in a gray area to actually transcend this gray area, right? You have to be a little patient with it and be patient with yourself. So it's not about the failing. You just got to get up. You know you're going to fail. And it's always better to say, listen, I know I've taken a harsh path. I know I may fall off. I just got to recorrect tomorrow and it's fine. As opposed to falling off completely and being like completely like, you know, devaluing the work that you've already done and then letting yourself go and starting again from scratch. Then you start. I think it's important for you to understand the behavior that you said, right? Like you are going to go through the cycles of being aware of it and then wanting to change and then finding somebody who can help you and taking action and then maybe again falling back and then repeating the whole cycle. And that's how like change or any behavioral change that you're trying to make. Exactly. And also it helps you if you have a metric then, right? I have a metric, right? If I don't have a metric, then I'm just trying to change. And then a change seems like you don't have a particular goal. So you don't have the celebration of reaching somewhere where you can say, okay, now I can go to the next part of what I want to do, right? Because our brain is a goal seeking, like that's how our brain functions, right? We're always seeking for like, what's the next goal? It's the next step, right? So, but then this way you can actually legitimately give yourself that. And say that this is what I want to do. And the smaller the steps, then the metrics can keep changing and improving. It could be your eyesight, or it could be diabetic, or it could be your lipid profile. And, you know, here's the other choice that we come to. I think we need to also consider the belief system now. Because the belief system that you have will also decide a lot of the context of what health and goals mean. Let me give you an example. If you don't have time, and you're not somebody who has the energy to do something, pharmacy may be the best option. We have to be agnostic of saying this is the right kind of health, this is not. In another situation where somebody has the ability and the energy to make a lifestyle change, that will be what is healthy, right? You can't judge somebody by saying pharmacy is bad and you can't judge somebody saying, you know, why are you not doing pharmacy? And this is where that preparation becomes a critical component because I could have a uric acid issue and I could do a tremendous lifestyle change or could go to a doctor. And there's medication, as you know, that's available for that problem, right? And it's all about energy and the ability to make a change, right? And the motivation to make a change. Now, say if you're in a stressful situation, you may not be able to make that change. And maybe pharmacy is the lesser of two evils, right? Because now coming back to the first part, this is the preventative health goal of, look, I don't want to feel like this. What is the best thing I can do? And when you're talking about those three different aspects, one of the things that you've stressed a lot 
on is the stress, which is rising cortisol level and stuff like that, right? So, do you think like that is one of the like really key components that people should be really looking at, like the stress of it, which on any aspect, right? Whether that's Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I think you're spot on with this one because I think we have used stress and then you have de-stress, like distress, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's how we perceive stress because it's not stress cortisol, which is created in, in a situation where you have to respond. It's a hormone that's going to heighten, you know, your senses and is going to get you ready for a situation. Our genes are still 35,000 years old. They haven't learned what our last 200 years or 100 years of change has now made us, right? You got to understand that if I was to heighten my awareness, it was either to fight or to run away from a threat. And I think there was a third option of, you know, actually even freezing, right? That's something new that's coming because sometimes people don't move, you know, you're stuck like a deer in headlights. But these are the three components of what we would have anthropologically done, you know, for 35,000 years. And then suddenly today, you could be sitting there and having an issue with your partner and the stress levels would be the same as being attacked by a tiger. And we have no vocabulary, physical vocabulary for this because we're not running. We're actually sitting in a chair. It could be a confrontation with your boss. It could be job security. It could be COVID. We have no tools psychologically to deal with that because our tool before would be to move, right? I mean, if you think about movement, you know, what happens when any of these adrenaline-driven issues actually happen? is that, you know, that all the blood gets out from your digestive system and all of that and goes into the big muscles, right? And, you know, so that you can respond in a physical manner to this, right? Because that would be the logical thing that from our mammalian genes all the way down to being human, that's what we've done for thousands and millions of years. And suddenly now we have this really weird new stress and it'll probably take us another 2,000 years to adapt to it, right? But because the genes are moving slowly and this continuum is happening. But you and me are now sitting. But I have this high amount of glucose in my body because my body is ready to utilize the high amount of glucose and fats in my body to move because you've just, you know, we've had this, maybe for example, say a confrontation. I have all this juice in my body, which is all designed to move. And all I'm doing is sitting here and my heart rate's up and everything else. And there's no output for this because it was supposed to be used for something and I'm not using this. Now, this may have happened once a day. You think about the number of times that a person puts themselves through this. And this is threshold for this, right? You've already heightened yourself up. If you notice the days that you get angry, you're more liable to get angry again. I don't know whether you actually yeah, yeah, notice yeah, this, no, right? No, absolutely, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It keeps on like adding up to... Because your cortisol level is higher. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's high. higher, mm. you may be reacting to things in an unreasonable manner. So now... So what you're saying is, like, let's say something happened. Your cortisol level is high and you did nothing about it. Like, you were supposed to either fight, flight or freeze, but you're doing nothing about it. So, which means then you didn't dissipate that. You didn't like lower that. And when something else happened, it keeps like... I think we have to think about it as an ebb and flow. But look, if your normal cortisol level is going to go up in the morning and come down in the evening, it's like a bell curve, yeah. right? I mean, you go in the morning and then by evening it has to come down because yeah. then your melatonin will kick in and you can go to sleep. Now imagine this, your normal highest cortisol level is what's going to wake you up. But now you're going to be like doing this three, four times a day. And by the time evening comes, your cortisol level is still going to be much higher, which means you can't create the feedback loop for melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. So you're not going to have a good night of rested sleep. You're not going to have your immunity that's going to kick in, your prolactin that kicks in later to help your immunity. All this stuff, you just stopped all of that for the whole day. So not only did you get pissed, after that, you didn't do anything to downregulate that, right? I think there's a lot of breathing stuff that you can do today. 
there's all these regulations, all this other stuff, but even very quick, right? Even, you know, you, you can do it like in five minutes or whatever it is. There are many, many tools available, which you can find everywhere, right? Whether it's a breathing coach, whether it's meditation, whether it's Tai Chi, whether it's yoga, it doesn't matter. That's all movement oriented. It's all breathing oriented. It's all down regulation. But imagine that nobody is actually doing any of this because you're there. And then the next thing is from there, you're rushing in traffic to get to work, which is also a stressor, right? Now, let me add another thing into it. I want you to imagine a regular person now who has decided that he has to get a gym workout in that day. Now, if you look at it, right, and let's just look at the logic of this. I'm going to go and have to pack my clothes. So that takes me 10 minutes. I have to drive to the gym to another place. Say that's 20 minutes. That's half now gone. I'm going to have to have a shower after I finish. That's another 15 minutes. I'm going to have to repack and then I have to get some food. That's one hour of not the time that you're working out in the gym, just preparing. That's two hours of your life gone in just that preparation on a day that you're already super stressed. Now, was it even worth going to the gym? I mean, we have to consider the whole, right? This is what I meant by that whole social context or the environmental context, right? So would it have been easier to just walk in the park next door to the office? And this is the change that we're also not able to make, right? Because this is called flexible behavior. We don't have that very much today because flexible adaptive behavior will help you be consistent and move the changes, but you have to be calm for that. But because it's another thing you let yourself down on, you may be so harsh on yourself that you will stress, stress, and then stress to do this and come back completely depleted, right? And this is more the complexity of real living, isn't it? And this is what I was telling you about as well earlier. So when we talk about stress, I think like, again, stress is not a bad thing. It's how we modulate it that is important, right? And there are many ways of doing that. You can't tell anybody how to do that because it's an individual experience with their own tools. Modulate. You don't want to get rid of stress because it helps you learn. Do you know that the stress cytokines, even when you have like, uh, say, IL-1, it actually keys your memory because the things that you're sometimes scared about, like that's why if you notice before your exams as kids, you would remember everything because you were really worried before the exam and everything goes in your brain. But three weeks before, nothing goes into your brain. I mean, it's really interesting, right? But that's actually a neurological function, right? It's a natural neurological function of how we are keyed. Stress helps us like even like respond to situations because your brain becomes very sharp, you know, your eyesight changes. So who says stress is bad? Stress is not bad. It's being constantly stressed that's bad, right? Because then imagine stress is a habit. And then you constantly are in this loop and you don't know how to get out. So you'll feel rushed. You're always going to be rushing from one place to another. Now, that kind of stress is like where you've gone past the bell curve into the other level, right? So when you're modulating stress, you keep it in the sweet zone for yourself. And you've got to understand that I suppose every person has a different stress threshold or stress appetite. And that's how that would work. Got it. So that plays like a really big role in the whole of it, right? And you mentioned about circadian rhythm, like I want to double click bit into that. So first, for everyone who's listening, like what is circadian rhythm? Maybe we'll start there and then we can look at like the whole cycle of it and things that messes it up. And on. I think let's be really simple about it. All of us are chained to the sun. We're actually all our cells are sort of chained to the sun itself. And it's a big part of who we are and how we function. Because again, 35,000 years of these genetics are all programmed as for us, because we are diurnal creatures, we get up with the sun and we go to sleep with the sun, right? And that's how it's been. I mean, you got to understand our genes come from the mammals and so on and so forth from before. And all of that was changed to the sun because of the way that we are designed. Now, when I say this, it means how efficient you are in terms of being chained to the sun. So if you want to sleep well, you get up with the sun and you sleep with the sun. Remember I was telling you about the cortisol being up in the morning. You need the cortisol to be high up in the morning to actually wake you up. And if you notice, if you're chained to the sun, you will get up when the sunlight actually comes in. 
and your crescendo of your cortisol in your son will be closely aligned, which means then your sleep cycle at the end of the day will also be exactly tuned into that, right? Now, if that happens, then you're going to be sleeping and you're going to get the best benefit of that sleep. I think, look, they say there are four stages of REM and deep sleep. One of it is for cognitive, the processing the cognitive. Let's again, keeping it simple, everything that's happening to the day, your emotions, all of that, you're processing it. And deep sleep, where it's your healing sleep for your body, your cellular restructuring, if you put that in, in a broad basket. Now, anything that disrupts that in terms of time, in terms of blue light, all of that kind of stuff at the wrong time is going to disrupt that. And it's going to disrupt your immunity. It's going to disrupt your cognitive function. They also found in recent times that even your glucose levels the next day, if you have one of those CGMs, will show you that you're five or 10 points higher the next day in terms of even your glucose control is mitigated, like, like it's much worse. So cognition comes down, you know, your glucose control comes down. So that can't be very great. Now imagine doing that every day. So I go out, I finish work, maybe you go to party or you're watching a late night movie. Right now it's World Cup football. But all of that takes a toll, right? And adds to whatever is happening. And I think that this is what I mean by the circadian clock. So I think the easiest thing to do is like to get up with the sun, actually to spend some time in the sun in the morning, you have the best experience in, because this is what you're designed to do. So if you do what you're designed to do, you're automatically in sync with your health. This is so simple, right? And when you go to sleep, you take a walk in the evening with a light going down because the tones of light change. So automatically, the light is telling your body when to switch on and switch off. A lot of times, the organs are, all of them are connected. So you've got to understand that the molecules in the cells are all connected, right? They're called period genes in PER and TIM genes. And these genes are actually in every cell and they're actually producing these, I suppose, molecules to help you understand that it's time to go to sleep and, you know, get tired. The other one is adenosine, but the one that you keep away from coffee. So that also builds up during the day so that your body naturally goes into sleep in the evening and then you have the kind of therapeutic sleep that you just need. And that will cure more than half your diseases itself, right? If you were just able to do that. So, you know, again, it's consistency. Can you go to sleep the same day, time, every day? And that's how you become consistently to bring it down. And then you'll realize that you can get up early in the morning. You have more energy. So that's all the fallout, right? Your immunity is better. That you're getting a better quality of sleep. And today, Vijay, you can measure all of that. You've got the aura rings. You've got like, I, I know, like there's so many wearables uh, to do that. In the old days, you didn't have any of that, right? And this is another metric. You say, if I really want to, to help myself, then I could just buy one of these tools or have any of these tools and see how I improve that. And even if it's not 100% accurate, it gives you a metric that you can change and you can try different things because each individual is different and his exploration will also be different. Also, there's no right time. It may be seven hours for you and maybe eight hours for somebody else, maybe nine hours for somebody. That's something that only like it's very unique and individual centric. Like we discussed in the beginning. So again, you can't tell somebody that you need to do this. Are you doing well with it? Is your blood work well? Are you recovering well? Okay. I mean, as long as it's working for you, it's good. It's when you're getting tired. Look, your body is always telling you stuff. It's when you're getting tired. It's when you're getting sick that some alarm bells have to go off because that's your body's way of communicating to you that we're not in synchronicity with the environment, our social circle, our biological circle, so to speak, or our immunity, right? And that, that's how I would look at it. So sunlight, like you said, has like a big role in playing, right? And also, you know, I was telling you before having this conversation that, you know, my grandmother, 84, and she's still running, you know, was climbing trees and, you know, stuff like that. And she never had any kind of problem with her life and uh, with her health, particularly, like nothing major and she's still fine. And now when you say this, it all begins to make sense because she lived in a community surrounded by people. 
really close knit you know people surrounded and know that there are people whom she can go and hang out with and have build those relationships and stuff like that and then she was doing work throughout the day she was following the rhythm of the sun right she would like go to bed by like 7 and wake up very early in the morning and then follow that right? your spot right in fact all the blue zones you know they're talking about the longevity centers of the world like this it's a book called the blue zone anyway and you know there's this whole thing about it it's in sardinia and in all these places where people are living like this in japan in okinawa and it's exactly what you're talking about but you don't need to go anywhere you can just go to the uh, somebody a village that still changed in community that still is diurnal in cycle where physical work is is natural you know physical work doesn't have to be going to the gym it doesn't mean running a ultra marathon it could be simpler things right it could be the everyday living things that we do because it's movement oriented that's what i said it's the practice of movement the problem with saying fitness is it becomes something else fitness is one of the movement i, I suppose expression of movement right but movement is what's important first if you get movement then you can decide what kind of movement i might like to dance dance if that's the easiest thing for you to do and you that's really interesting right if you find it difficult going to the gym go and dance why you have a social equation you have physicality you serve five things as opposed to going to the gym maybe you're alone and you know you may not be serving the social construct but it's interesting that like nobody will ever think about those things right so again even when you're talking about this the day the only reason that maybe the rural life today has uh, degraded is because of the amount of fertilizers that we've started using right because now what's happening is like you know you have these belts of cancer because of pesticides and fertilizers and the groundwater being infected and the green revolution area is becoming too alkaline so there are other issues that have cropped up in that rural lifestyle and that's a part of industrialization so i think that unless that that's an untouched area that also becomes so difficult today when that's something that we have to adapt around so it's not the principles now of lifestyle see that becomes an environmental issue there so they've got social they've got all the other ones covered but the problem then becomes an environmental issue and that's why i said see for them the concept of health will be cleaning up the environment or getting to a safer environment it won't be like for us maybe we can control that aspect and get organic food and this and that but our problem is going to maybe be more socially oriented or oriented towards the time or the stress and this is what again we go back to the first conversation of saying why health is you can't have a generic nomenclature for health it's not that we're trying to arrive at it's an individual identity right? no it's really interesting and one of the things that we're talking about you know you mentioned that when we had a conversation a couple of days back and also before we started recording is energy budgeting at like what's that and uh, you know what role does it play let's take it like a, again the energy budgeting for me is very simple right it's about vitality i mean how come some people have lots of energy and other people don't have energy right now it could be biological where you're on a cellular level you're not getting the nutrients that you need it could be the macronutrients it could be the micronutrients because all of that is connected to the mitochondria right it could be sleep like we said because you're not getting enough sleep then the energy budgeting is off but you know threat is a huge portion of this threat and pain become a huge portion of energy budgeting as well and this is again the psychosocial aspect of it right and the neurological aspect of it for example say that you wear glasses you will be familiar with this say that you didn't have your glasses one day and you you forgot them and they broke you will have a very stressful day and you will be awfully tired right why because your eyes are not able to perceive the world the way they used to and that's a huge threat response and you will feel very 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 threatened which means your energy budgeting will drop to save you from getting injured because i'm not perceiving the world the right way it's actually called extraception right so the other thing is introception you know i may have acidity or i may have a gut issue that will also affect my energy budgeting because it's saying something is not right inside my body 
and then you have your proprioception, you know, my joints are hurting or I have rheumatic arthritis and won't allow you to move. And all of that is actually an energy budget, isn't it? Because every day you have, you know, so much of energy. Yeah. Now, you can decide what you're going to do with that, right? You can heal, you can grow. Growing takes a lot of extra resources, but so does healing. So homeostasis to be in balance is actually a really tough thing because you're always going through something, right? Have you noticed that when you're stressed, you have no energy? Yeah. Now, that's not physical. So then that's what I meant by energy budgeting, right? I think it's very important on the utilization of energy. So you have to make sure from a biological perspective, yes, you have all the nutrients, you have all your micronutrients, you have all your minerals. And there are many different ways of doing that today with tests and stuff. Now you get to the next level. Obviously, any high threat situation, socially, environmentally as well, or anything else. I mean, the days that you're on your phone for many hours, again, you're tired. You may be able to dissipate the radiation, but maybe there is some amount of radiation, obviously, because of the, you know, the waves coming through you, right? And then things, maybe you, you can walk barefoot to sort of dissipate some of that on the grass. How much of time do we ever have to do those things, you see? But the tools are simple because you're like basically an antenna, aren't you? And if you earth yourself, then a lot of those free electrons are, will dissipate. Whether we have the time to do that, and this becomes the energy budget, right? Now, if you think about this, these are the things that may damage us, right? Pathogens. You got xenobiotics, chemicals, maybe the color red in food, <laughs> which may not suit you, pesticides, preservatives, stabilizers, whatever they're putting in the food. And each person will react differently to those things. Now, when you're feeling tired, maybe the question to ask is, which of my circles are actually, you know, not working for me? And that may actually help you budget yourself better, right? And if you're tired, there's a reason why you're tired. Instead of pushing through it, maybe we need to just be more aware of what, why I'm tired. It's really interesting, right? We say we're tired. And you'll come up with an excuse saying, I didn't sleep last night. Is there anything else? What did I eat? Do I know what I ate? Maybe I'm gluten intolerant and I didn't even know it and I've been eating wheat. And every time I eat wheat, I'm tired. But then you just got to get those frequency charts, right? You know that, oh, every time I eat wheat, I don't feel so great. Or maybe you're lactose intolerant. You know, a lot of people figure it out like that because, and then they're like, no, this milk is not working for me. And then they do a test and they're like, oh, you know, it may be true. Because we don't have the lactase persistent gene or you don't have the microbiome that has a lactobacillus bacteria that will actually help. But your body is actually speaking to you all the time. And when I'm talking about an energy budget, I'm saying we have a limited resource and you're using it. And if it's holding it back, there's a reason for it. And you may be able to find it quite fast if you're introceptive, if you're able to look into yourself, right? And you have the time to do it. Shiva, everything that you've said, like, you know, there's a lot that's going on. Right. But I have my life to leave. <laughs> you know, there's a lot that I need to do on a day. Right. I mean, this in itself looks like a full time job for a person to take care of themselves and be like, let's say the peak of the health, maybe avoid disease or whatever the objective is. Right. I want to stay fit or I want to avoid my disease or prevent or whatever. It looks like a lot like on our regular day to day life. Like if we were to say like, hey, you know what, these are the few ways that you can probably try and inculcate. You know, we've already covered about maybe you take one thing smaller things make those changes and like do it consistently over the period of time but like is there anything else that you'd like to share on how we can really go about this i think it's you have to also say that you do many things right it's so funny that our mind goes to only the things that we're doing wrong right most people every day are doing many things right so let's go to say these are the things i'm doing right and not judge the things that are going wrong and then begin to correct them little by little like you said i think the the main part is consistency it's not going to the gym three times a week. 
it's that walk every day up and down the steps at the office like you know 10 times maybe you know it's walking to the coffee shop walking to the restaurant you know taking those things but again you have to be cognizant of the environment if there's too much of pollution don't do that maybe you'll have to walk up and down in your office sunlight easy stuff right actually none of it is it's about being just that little bit more natural just being aware and saying look i'd like to give myself this you know having a cup of coffee outside or having breakfast outside in light may make the difference for you to feel 10 times better right but Chew the small things. The information is out there. The problem is all of this knowledge has to be converted into your personal wisdom for it to be actually consistent, right? Experiment, explore. Give yourself the rewards that you need. To give yourself rewards, create goals that are simple enough for you to achieve. There's no point in trying to create a goal so far and then being disappointed. It's better to create very practical real goals. Sometimes you may not know what that is and that's why, you know, you may need a specialist who will be telling you like, this is the healthy way to lose this much weight in this time. Don't try to do, overdo it and do all of this, right? Maybe that guidance will help you if you're a kind of person who do that. If you're a self-learner, explore. And I think this is it, right? We're all so unique. You have to fit what this means to yourself. Make a change conceptually. It's not about making the change short-term goals. And think about the whole construct from a conceptual stage. Like, okay, you know, this is what I'd like to change. This is a metric I'd like. And I have knee pain. I will do whatever rehab I have to do and get this sorted out. Make sure I eat well. So once those small goals, it becomes bigger and bigger automatically because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a journey. It's not a destination. It's never ending. You're right. It's too much. But it's a journey. And there's no such thing as being healthy. It's about how well we live and what a function in this life that matters. Because longevity is interesting. But in a place like India, maybe you walk out of the road and you have an accident and you die. So it's so important to also live in the moment and you have to somehow find, this is the psychological part, right? Where you have to be content with the changes that you're making. And that itself is compounding, right? In terms of the way you feel. Quite nicely, you know, summarized on like, look at what are the things that you're doing right. And look at the things where you can make progressive changes over the period and of time. And you know, it should be natural. Mm. It should be effortless and effortless simple. Effortless and simple, yeah. Yeah, and there are people out there, like there are, uh, India today is doing so well with the industry of health that everything is available today, right? Maybe not eight years ago, but today, absolutely. So then it's just about making, like I said, prepare well, right? Which will help you act easy. So you mentioned that like find somebody who can really help you. Then you're talking about like people who can coach you, help you give their wisdom is something that you were saying, right? You know, people with the wisdom who can like help you maybe shorten that learning curve and get the results that you want and consistently you really quick. I think you need to find somebody who inspires you. That will actually take you further than somebody who you think is going to do a good job. If you really think about it, you need something more longer lasting than just a good job, right? So it's always good to see like, you know, somebody that you would aspire, you know, that kind of direction. I think it's the direction that we're looking at. Look, how do you tell a yogi to do weights? You see my point? But he already has a construct that he'd like to fulfill for himself. And I think that's why it's so important that each person does their own journey with this. And that I'm saying, Think of it as movement. Think about it as food because your belief system comes in. Are you vegetarian? Are you non-vegetarian? Are you vegan? What is your belief system? Because you're eating a belief system. Is that belief system doesn't necessarily fulfill, you know, micronutrient needs or macronutrient needs. And maybe it does. But that's just a metric. And if you don't get it from the belief system of the way that you eat, then you get it from the outside. So see, that becomes easy because unfortunately, we're eating belief systems today, right? We're not, we're not eating just food. It's not survival food, like I'm going to have ants because it has a protein source and it has zinc. It, it doesn't work like that, right? You're going to say, no, we don't eat insects, right? 
I mean, if you think about it, that is a belief system in the, some other countries and societies, cultures. Eating insects is completely okay. But this is what I meant. So I'm saying, I'm taking it to that context because then it's visceral. Then you'll understand what it is that we're actually saying. So you make that change in these microscopic things and then say, this is my belief system. And you have to be rational about it to say, okay, this is not working for me. I'm following a belief system, but maybe I'm not energetic. May I, maybe I should do a blood test. And that's your next step, right? And then say, okay, this is what's wrong. Maybe I should take vitamin D and then so on. Because people believe I do sunlight and do 20 minutes sunlight and I'll have vitamin D. It doesn't work like that. Please, if you have a thought like that, check. And then you'll feel great immediately, right? Because that's a pro-hormone and even something simple like all the main vitamin Ds and uh, vitamin B complexes are huge in terms of, I think they do like over six, 700 things in your body, right? Enzymatically. So then something that small is doing that much for you and you may or may not know that's there, right? So when you're eating whatever it is and you're comfortable with that, then this, because remember, the belief system is your social security, is your psychological security. So you've got that covered. And that's why I keep breaking it down like this, because then you can see the modulus and it's like a matrix, right? You can put it together, you can take it out. And you know that I've got this covered. Okay, so that's fantastic, right? So now you only have to get this smaller part. This is an easier piece, because there are metrics for everything and there are testing for everything. There are easy ways to change them today. And that's it. But to be inspired to move there, I think it makes sense to come from the outside in, right? First, like, get down the rabbit hole and do your own stuff and research and learn more and educate yourself and a lot of And if stuff. you don't want to, there are so many people and you'll find somebody. There are some amazing nutritionists everywhere, right? I mean, everywhere you find everything. There are amazing coaches, gyms. I mean, 15 years ago, you couldn't have dreamt of this because I think it was only bodybuilding. Today, you have functional movement, you have strength, you have calisthenics, you have like circuits. I mean, you can even try different things. It's fine if you're an exploratory kind of person. Think movement, don't think what style or how, right? This is the however. First move. Then find what movement you find is the best that makes you feel great and you express. As opposed to trying to find something that may be unnatural for you. If you're a dancer, maybe it's very difficult to migrate into, you know, it depends on your personality, right? Into a more structured, like a gym environment. If you're somebody who is a, a strength builder, it may be very difficult to go to yoga. I mean, there are people who transmigrate, but they're the experimentalists, right? And there are other people who are very comfortable in that zone. But you know, anything that you do and habituate will have great strengths. But here's a great crazy part of health. With great strength adaptations, there will be weaknesses elsewhere. And with great flexibility adaptations, there will be, you know, other issues. Your great strength is always going to be your greatest weakness. And this is humanity at large. And this is how we have to always look at it. Health is a dynamic. Health is not a static position that you'll ever reach. So that's the journey, right? And you know, the human body is just mind-blowingly amazing and adaptive and it's 100% regenerative. Technically, we should be able to do anything that we want. So remember, the only thing that we have to change is the how to get to the destination because we have all the tools. <laughs> no, this has been a really fascinating conversation, Shiv. And uh, like I said, like there's a lot that we need to take on and process from the conversation that we have just had and also the conversation that we've had, you know, before this. And uh, I must say, for me personally, I don't know, and also for somebody who's listening to this, if this is the first time getting exposed to this whole concept of looking health more holistically than just looking at like one, like health as a single entity in whatever aspect that is, whether that's in the fitness or you're trying to eat better or whatever that realm for you is, but looking at like is an integrated part of everything else of your social and your 
psychological and your environment that you live in like all of that is contributing to you and that's what you are trying to do with connect venture like if you want to be healthy and be sustainable then you can't be sustainable when environment is not and then you know doing the everything right from fixing the soil to fixing the water to everything else right which is really really fascinating and i i think now for anyone who's listening to this conversation and feeling like oh my god that was like a lot to chew on what would you say where do they begin always start where there's a point of least resistance what would you like to do and start there just be aware that it's just the beginning of a journey nobody gets here look me too started somewhere started as a martial artist and then you open it up it's like an onion you know has many multiple layers every layer you peel there's another layer and another layer and i think the journey is what's exciting because it's like you know it's the same as seeking a reward it's an endless rabbit hole and it's okay because you know what if you actually did that because aren't we really complex creatures as human beings i mean look at every thought everything that we have why are we simplifying things even the people that are wrestling to things know how complex we are as individuals do you think our health will be any less complex if there's a simple solution out there i mean uh, would we do a disservice if we said that i think the job that we have at hand is to say that it is a complex piece isn't it i mean the humanity is a complex piece when you talk about health you're talking about the functionality of a being right and the entirety of a being how is that not complex especially a human being in the context of you know evolution and anthropology it is going to be complex right now if we simplify it it takes the the beauty of our own introspection and and all the work that we've done in science away and everybody is smart enough to understand this so maybe it's time to like bring the complexity so people know that there are multiple modalities to change and there's always hope it's the opposite if you did one thing and it didn't work you were like shit but now you have like a million things that you can change and everything will work for you it's about getting the synchronicity of that right right and imagine it more like you know one of those puzzles that you just got to get right as that just fits as as opposed to trying to you know work hard at it because we are designed to be healthy so you just got to do what you're designed to do right we're not designed to be sick and we are an organism in with other organisms inside we have ten more bacterial cells in us than human cells and obviously from the outside we are interacting with the entire world so from that perspective i don't think we should shy away from complexity because it's our nature and we have the ability to respond to it we only don't have the ability because we're too stressed to take the time and the energy to do it but then it's okay all i'm saying is take a small sliver of the piece start there make it consistent make it stick do the next piece next piece suddenly one day you're healthy and you know all these things about your body and you don't know how you got there and that's the journey because if you tried it with an agenda and that's that's fine but then you can't chew the whole agenda and say i'm going to be healthy right if it took you 60 years to be sick it may take you 6 months to get better and you just got to look at it very pragmatically and i think you'll find that it's actually much simpler than it is the only thing is take the first step don't think about it just take that first step and you see how easy it is because after you do the first one the next step is easy because you're already off balance you have to take the next one right this has been great conversation shiv thank you so much for taking time out and really love this conversation man now this for me is the beginning of looking at all these different aspects and start like going down the rabbit hole and maybe look much deeper and like try and see what are the things what are the small minute changes that 
can be done on a day-to-day basis, which looks simpler and also then have a markers or the milestones that you said. Thank you so much. And yeah, you know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And this has been excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. When I traveled to Bangalore to record this episode with Shiva Subramanian, we created this beautiful setup at his on office. We got a team in Bangalore to come and join us and help us with the shoot. We were really happy about the way this episode came out and the kind of topics that we were able to cover. I just wanted to tell you that it takes a lot of time, efforts and energy in bringing each of these conversations for you so that you can learn something new that can really help you become better in any aspect of your life so that you can grow and propel further. And that's the mission that we have at the Inspiring Talk podcast. And we will continue to do so so that we can take episodes a notch higher with every conversation. And if you really find value in this podcast, I would really appreciate if you could do two things for us. Number one, share this episode with at least three people in your network who you think can benefit from this conversation. And second, if you are listening on platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcast, you can give this show a five-star rating. That will help us reach out to more and more listeners so that we can help more people. So be someone who helps other people grow in their life. Thanks again. I'll see you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.